Hello, this is Jeff Windsor, and this is Lucky Words, a podcast where we talk about culture, art, and a good deal of poetry, ideally all while we're outdoors doing something cool. I was just hiking up this trail in the foothills of Timpanogos, which is most of the trails that I hike on, and this one has no name. But I was hiking up here, and it was steep, and I thought I should record, so I sat down to catch my breath. And I sat here long enough that I caught my breath and just sat. And I listened. I could hear the highway down below me in the canyon. Occasionally the breeze would come by and ruffle the leaves on the trees that I can see across from me or in through the branches of this little thicket where I'm sitting. I could watch it on these grasses that are growing here on the side of the trail. I could hear the birds. And I thought, it is nice up here. And I ended up sitting longer than just long enough to catch my breath, but to just sit. And I was trying to think of what poem to do, and I thought this would be a perfect time to read some haiku by Basho. Now, I will be honest, I'm not exactly sure how you pronounce the poet's name. There is... A line over the O, I'm presuming that makes it Basho, but I don't speak Japanese. Translated by David Haas. Basho wrote thousands of haiku. I'm only going to read five of them, and these are just five that I liked. I read through many, many of them and wrote down the ones that I liked, and I've kept them around for years, and I go back and look at them every once in a while. Even in Kyoto, hearing the cuckoo's cry, I long for Kyoto. First day of spring, I keep thinking about the end of autumn. It's not like anything they compare it to, the summer moon. The dragonfly can't quite land on that blade of grass. The oak tree stands noble on the hill, even in cherry blossom time. I should say that Basho is one of the great writers of haiku. When I first learned of haiku in elementary school, I was taught what you were probably taught, that haiku was always five syllables, then seven syllables, then five syllables. And we were asked to write haiku as an example. And I probably wrote about my family or school or a sport or something. Because that's what kids do. We're taught about syllables and taught about haiku, and so we write haiku. And I think it's mostly an exercise to learn about syllables. Frankly, I'm not sure why we need to learn about syllables, but, you know, it's just good to know. But one thing I learned much later in life was that haiku is not just about counting syllables. And in fact, at least in translation, the syllables are not always exact. David Haas, who is a great translator of haiku, wasn't dogmatic about it and would occasionally break the 575 rule if it fit. But what is always essential in haiku is that it is always about nature. For each of these five haiku, there is something that speaks to me outside of the poem. The first one, even in Kyoto, hearing the cuckoo's cry, I long for Kyoto. For that, I think about my growing up in San Diego, and I have an image in my head. 
But when I go back and visit San Diego, it is not the same. It's a different place. So even in San Diego, when I smell the ocean or when I see the quality of the light there or when I touch a eucalyptus tree, those are things that I remember. But I still long for the San Diego of my youth. There is a nostalgia in there. When I read these with my students, this one always gets an interesting reaction. First day of spring, I keep thinking about the end of autumn. I'll have some students that are skiers, and those students will talk about the first day of spring and the end of autumn as being the edges of the ski season and how much they look forward to skiing and how when spring has actually started and there's no more skiing, they look forward to the end of autumn. There's another group of students that dislike the winter and always want it to be over and are looking forward to summer, and they see it very differently. And then there's the group of students who reads this and realizes that one way to read this is that it's talking about never being satisfied with where you are. The fourth one that I read, The dragonfly can't quite land on that blade of grass, is perhaps my favorite of this, even though it is the most simple. It creates an image I can run it through. It's more than an image. It's a, it's a whole brief scene filled with drama and pathos. There is frustration and almost exultation. As I imagine a dragonfly trying to land on the grass, and as it lands, the grass bends, and so it lifts again and tries again and tries again and continues on that futile task, something that it cannot accomplish. That leads me to wonder about all sorts of things. It makes me wonder if in my own life I am a dragonfly and there might be a blade of grass that I keep trying to land on, and it'll never work. But I also think that in that image of the dragonfly landing on the grass, there is a delicacy and there is a beauty just in the attempt that makes it worth paying attention to. One of the things that I love about haiku is that they're small enough that I can carry it in my mind's pocket, basically. I can just have it with me. I could memorize one of these, and as I walk along and see something, it'll bring back this tiny, short little poem that unpacks into something so much larger. My students are always surprised when we read these, and I'll read it at first, and they, they get it so quickly at a superficial level, and they think that's all there is. And then as I push them and we talk about it and think about it, suddenly we're 15 minutes in on this short little poem. And I will say to them, isn't that amazing? This little thing, these five syllables, then seven syllables, then five syllables, unfolded into 20 minutes of thought and discussion and discovery. So I love to carry the haiku in my mind, just to have it with me, to have a couple memorized. And I'll see something. It probably won't be a dragonfly, and it probably won't be a blade of grass. It surely won't be an oak tree in cherry blossom time. But I might see something that reminds me of the balance between something that is transitory and something that is mostly permanent. I'll look up at the summer moon. I will think about the first day of spring or about Kyoto. And I'll think of the poem and just let it sit. Just like I'm sitting now. Just sitting. Watching the results of the wind and listening to the bird. And 
I'm going to read these again. I'm going to read them in reverse order because they don't actually go in an order. As I said, these are just five taken randomly from a large collection of Basho's haiku translated by David Haas. The oak tree stands noble on the hill even in cherry blossom time. The dragonfly can't quite land on that blade of grass. It's not like anything they compare it to, the summer moon. First day of spring, I keep thinking about the end of autumn. Even in Kyoto, hearing the cuckoo's cry, I long for Kyoto. Mm. 